0: welcome to the show everyone this week we have two movies about groups of crazy women we have two comedies and we try and kill hitler good times it's the week of april 30th 2017 and this is future flicks with billiam episode 48 Welcome! Welcome back! Welcome back from the break! We had a one-week break, of course, after the one-year anniversary. You'll notice I changed things up a bit. Uh, I thought this might be a little better than trying to talk over the intro music, or at least getting the intro music so low that you guys can hear me over it. So tell me what you think about this change-up in the way the show opens. Did it work for you? Were you thrown off? Do you not like change and you're a little scared now? Are you a little scared? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. Let me tell you what it is I do here. This is FutureFlix, thus, I am your host. My name is Billiam. Here's a little information. FutureFlix is where I go over every movie that's being released during the week. I tell you what it's about, who's in it, and my thoughts on it. I will give the movie a score, which I call the Billiam's Interest Level score, aka the Bill score. This score is only based on the trailer and anything I've read about the movie. But let's start this episode with a little bit of housekeeping. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, Tumblr, and any podcast listening app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website, that's SomewhatNerdy.com. You can reach me on Twitter, BilliamSWN. Email me, BilliamReviews at gmail.com. And I'm on Instagram, where I swear I'm still active, just uh, not a whole lot anymore, but I'll try and get better at that, I promise. I feel like I'm promising that a lot, but uh, then I get better and then I get out of it. I'm going to get better again. I'm on an upswing. We will work on this together. Just hound me about nerdy pictures or my cat or whatever I'm drinking and I will post it. Billiam SWN there as well. Well, let's move on to our first segment, which as always is the news. According to The rap, early reactions to Spider-Man Homecoming are coming back positive. True, all the early reviews are from critics, and we don't trust critics here on Future Flicks. Remember that, friends. But this is a good sign nonetheless. If those critics who hate anything fun like this movie, then maybe it's going to be really good. We'll see. The Tupac biopic is coming under fire because of copyright infringement, because they base the movie off articles written by a so-called journalist, Kevin Powell. You may have a few questions. How can a movie be accused of copyright infringement if it's basing the story off true events, covered by a journalist or not? Why did I call Powell a so-called journalist? Because he lied, folks. This case states that Powell embellished the truth, and that's how he knew the movie used his articles. So this ass made some shit up, pass it off as real, and now is suing because the movie used his work thinking it was true. So the possible money he could get from this is worth more to him than any integrity this human garbage dump may have had. This according to Hollywood Reporter. The cast of Aquaman is ever-growing. So far in James Wan's DC movie, we have Jason Momoa, of course, Amber Heard, Nicole Kidman, Willem Dafoe, Patrick Wilson, Ludi Lynn, Dolph Lundgren, Timuria Morrison, Yahaya Abdul-Mateen II, and now Michael Beach. And finally in the news, we have some sad news of the passing of actor michael nyquist he passed away on the 27th at the age of 56 he had been fighting lung cancer for the past year he was known for his roles in the girl with the dragon tattoo trilogy but here at the somewhat nerdy podcast network as well as the watch your mouth podcast we know him as vigo tarasov the guy who delivered the line pencil from john wick and now let's step into the trove Avast, and welcome to the Trailer Troll. We have the first trailer for Pitch Perfect 3. This is the movie series that I've never actually seen all the way through, but I know I'll like. Why haven't I seen it, you may ask? Because I'm a lazy ass. This trailer looks good. The only thing that bothers me about this is when the antagonist group makes fun of them, they act like they've never heard of an a cappella group. Okay, I know it's a joke. But it's a dumb one. What kind of self-respecting musician has never heard of an acapella group? Okay, but let's move on. Next up, we have a trailer for a movie called Marshall with Chadwick Boseman and Josh Gad. This is the true story of Thurgood Marshall, the famous attorney who claimed victory in Brown v. Board of Education. This movie makes the man look like a badass, and while he may have been a badass in a legal sense and a cultural sense, I sure do hope he really could beat the sh- out of racist a- or this movie is just trying to add fiction to a story that doesn't need it. This looks really good, and like a movie that should be on everyone's list. I just hope that they're not trying to fictionalize Thurgood Marshall to make him into some sort of, like I said, badass when he wasn't. If he really was, then I love it. I love the fact that this smart lawyer who changed the world could also beat the crap out of people should they need to rise. So let's let's see what the truth is. Next up, American Assassin has a badass new trailer. Check it out. This one looks even better than the teaser that came out a few months ago. This is the espionage thriller starring Dylan O'Brien and Michael Keaton. Annabelle Creation got some new light shed into the darkness, and it looks terrifying. This has James Wan producing yet another movie in the Conjuring universe, and it looks like this is going to be my favorite horror series ever. I can't wait. We're getting a first look at Goodbye, Christopher Robin, a movie about the origins of the Winnie the Pooh book, or books, stories, what have you. Where did the idea come from and who was Christopher Robin? This movie will answer it, but with a title like Goodbye, Christopher Robin, I doubt there will be a dry eye in the house. For the indie film lover, we have the third movie in the Trip series. Also, if you're from the UK, the, they're just turning this TV series into another movie. There won't be anything new if you're familiar with the TV show. This is just going to be scenes from the show all put into a two-hour, maybe one-and-a-half-hour, I don't know how long it is, movie. First, we have The Trip. Then we had the trip to Italy. Now we have the trip to Spain. If you haven't seen the trip, then check it out. It's worth a shot. It should be available to stream somewhere. They're funny in that dry British sort of way, though also you have the show that you could watch. The show's been going on for a while and I do believe it's longer because I think they condense it into a movie. So if you check out the first movie, if you like it, then check the show out. It's worth it. And. Finally in the trove, we have what could be Jackie Chan's greatest performance ever with a trailer for a film called The Foreigner. This looks awesome and it looks like he's been hiding some great acting skills from the American audiences. Chinese audiences as well as foreign film buffs know how good Chan really is, but for your lame and American moviegoer, we just know him from goofy action movies. So here we are with a gripping and action-packed movie where he co-stars with Pierce Brosnan. Check it out and friends that is it for the trailer trove let's get into the movies before we do we have a guest in the studio we have one rooting branches who's here she's not going to say anything uh she might wave wave at the mic want to wave at the mic sweetie no. no okay she said no i'll make sure that gets in the i'll make sure that gets in the final cut <laughs> then your voice has been in two episodes amazing <laughs> all right ladies and gentlemen Let's get into the movies this week, and we're going to start with one called The House. Scott and Kate want to send their daughter to college. The trouble is, they don't have the money. So instead of student loans or any other reasonable option, they decide to open an illegal casino in their friend's house. This stars Will Farrell from The Other Guys, Amy Poehler from Parks and Rec, Ryan Simpkins from A Single Man, and Nick Kroll and Jason Mantzoukas from The League. Welcome to this week's stealth movie. What do I mean by that? I really had no idea this movie was coming out until I started my notes. I saw the poster once or twice, by I've never seen a trailer for this in theaters, or on TV, or on the internet. Whoever did the marketing for this movie should get fired, because they did a piss poor job. But here's the thing, even if they did a great job, this isn't the season for movies like this. Critter has talked about this on both Somewhat Nerdy Radio and the Watch Your Mouth podcast. I've talked about it here many times. This isn't the time. This is blockbuster season where where we're gonna see bigger movies, not something like this. This is coming out too soon after Rough Night And, like I've said in the middle of blockbuster season, so this is going to get forgotten. No one is going to see this. This is a guaranteed flop. Will it be funny? Sure. Stupid, but funny. But it won't be good enough to get people in the theaters. This is directed by Andrew J. Cohen and written by Cohen and Brendan O'Brien. These two have paired up on such movies as The Neighbors, or Neighbors, sorry, 1 and 2, as well as Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates. These guys know comedy, but... Too bad people in charge of the marketing and distribution don't know how to do their f***ing job. The house may have done pretty well in midwinter, just like Office Christmas Party, but it's being released now and everyone's going to miss it. Will some of you, my future friends, go see it? Sure. Why not? People will see this movie, just not a lot at all. Not even close to the amount needed to make this money back. Maybe in post, maybe in the post-theater life, this will do well enough that it will warrant it being released at all. But if they're hoping for theater love, they are going to miss out. I predict this is going to be nowhere above 8th in this weekend's box office. This is going to be a standard modern comedy with nothing new to offer, with a reliable cast working with a script written by reliable writers, making a movie that will be the bare minimum we expect from movies like this. It's not going to be terrible, but it won't be terribly good either. The House gets a 5 out of 11. The second movie this week is called The Beguiled. A group of women at a girls' school in Civil War-era Virginia have been sheltered from the war, waging on all around them. One day, a wounded Union soldier is taken in, and the women, most of who are of age, begin to take notice of the man as as sexual tensions rise. But the inevitable climax isn't what anyone expected. This stars Nicole Kidman from Batman Returns, Kirsten Dunst from Spider-Man, Ellie Fanning from Neon Demon, Colin Farrell from In Bruges, and Una Lawrence from Pete's Dragon, the new one. With this premise, I could have easily been reviewing a porno. Oh, Mr. Soldier, I do declare your rifle is in dire need of some polishing. Allow me and my friends to help you. Leave it to writer-director Sofia Coppola to pick a novel like this to turn into a movie actually leave it to her to pick a movie like this to be remade that's right my future friends this is a remake of a movie from 1971 starring clint eastwood enough about that how does this movie look looks okay but for the life of me i can't understand what made sofia coppola pick this movie to be remade if you will remember your history lessons from school virginia was a confederate state So a Union soldier being helped out at a Confederate state girls' school can either be leading to sexy times or murder times. We'll see. So these women, Confederate state, and they're all probably on a dry spell longer than the Sahara Desert. So I can see why they'd start to fall for a handsome soldier, even if it's from the other side. So all this makes an interesting story, but why? Sophia Coppola is one of those directors who can do whatever the hell she wants. She may not be some multi-million dollar mega director, but she's good enough and famous enough to be able to pick and choose her projects. So hopefully there was something about this that spoke to her and that her vision and eye for cinema could add to it to make it all worth it. But as far as the trailer goes, it doesn't show that. And she chose another version of this movie. No matter when this movie came out, it was always going to be a movie to watch at home, unless you're really in the mood for an indie period piece. The trailer hints that this film has elements of misery to it, where Farrell is going to get tortured for his attempts to woo the women. Only time will tell who wins the day, the wounded Union soldier or the Confederate women. I want to check this out but at at home, and I think you should too. Check it out at home, it'll be worth a watch, it'll be interesting, but just not worth a theater trip, not even worth a purchase. Hopefully one of the streaming services will get this, and then we can maybe enjoy it. Worst case scenario, it's garbage and we turn it off halfway. The Beguiled gets a 5.5 out of 11. Next up on this week's list is a movie called Inconceivable. Angela and Brian want another child, but Angela is unable to have one. They're in the process of getting a surrogate when Angela befriends a woman and hires her as a nanny. Angela quickly becomes suspicious of the nanny as she acts weirder and weirder. This stars Gina Gershon from the last season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Nicholas Cage from Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Nikki Whelan from Hall Pass, and Faye Dunaway from Chinatown. Unlike The Princess Bride, I do believe that the writers of this movie Did know what the word means. Welcome to the love child of single white female and when the bow breaks. Okay folks, 2011 was a big year. Osama bin Laden was killed and so was Nicolas Cage's career. That was the year he did movies like Drive Angry and Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance and also the last time he was in a movie that could be considered anything other than a straight to VOD release. Why do I bring this up you may ask? Because this movie looks so boring it could be a straight to video release and be skipped by every single person. If it was, if it went straight to Netflix, Hulu, or Amazon, it would be the movie's only chance. Just like Adam Sandler's Sandy Wexler, the only reason it got any love was the fact that it was free. At least free to people who already pay for Netflix. However, this is getting a theater release date, which means it will be a while before it can be viewed without any additional cost, which means all of us will forget about it and will never watch it. I was so bored during the trailer that I almost couldn't finish watching it. What do I always say? It's easy to forgive a movie for having tired ideas if they find a way to change it up and make it their own. But this film did none of that. While they may have taken ideas from two other movies and made up a new, with air quotes, plot, it still feels stale. Which is weird because this is a movie with Nicolas Cage and Gina Gershon. Gershon is a good actress, maybe not the best, but she's usually reliable. Nicolas Cage, even when he makes movies, is still entertaining. This one feels sad and phoned in from both of them. I can't recommend anyone watch this movie, even after it comes out to rent, own, or stream. It's just not good. Inconceivable gets a 2 out of 11. The next movie on the list is a movie called 13 Minutes. This is a movie based off the true story of George Elser's failed assassination attempt on Adolf Hitler. After his attempt fails, he's captured and we learn the story of what led up to his attempt. Welcome, folks, to the darkest movie of the week. If this guy had succeeded, this may have been an uplifting movie. Like, yay, this dude killed a monster and saved millions of lives. But no, he failed and was executed for murder. While he failed to kill Hitler, he did kill a bunch of Nazis at the gathering. So, you know, he did some good, right? Remember, folks, Nazis are one of the few people in movies you can just mow down and slaughter and no one will bat an eye. I also don't wanna hear any crying about spoilers because all this is true and happened 77 years ago. Even by Critter's standards, it's okay to spoil that. And I even look at his 10-year moratorium on spoilers to be over the top. This is a foreign movie, which means you'll have to read subtitles. But you, my future friends, don't mind subtitles because you're not lazy. Though please keep in mind that I do know that there are other reasons someone may not like subtitled movies. Maybe you're prone to headaches, maybe you're dyslexic, or a myriad of other good reasons. But for everyone else, get good, you scrubs. This looks like a good movie, but it will... Only work for a certain niche of moviegoers. First, you have to like foreign films. Second, you're going to have to want to watch a depressing true story. If you fit both of those categories then check this out, but still do it at home. Nothing about this screams theater watch. The only people I would recommend see this in theaters is a true indie fan. The type of people who scoff at big budget movies and lift their pinkies in the air as they drink their tea in the theater. For them, they should see this. For you, my future friends, skip this. And if it does interest you, check it out at home. This does look well done. It looks like a good movie. It looks like it has a great feeling of isolation when he's in prison. But when he's with his girlfriend in flashbacks, they have a wide open and beautiful scene that juxtaposes the cold and small jail cell. This film is going to tell us the story of a hero who... That was one of the first to take drastic actions against a madman. This assassination attempt happened in 1939, and he wasn't executed for murder until 1945. So he spent all that time in prison. My question is, will we see him spend all that time in prison? Or will we just show his initial time in prison, the story of why he did it, and then they'll fast forward till the end going, okay, now he dies. We'll see. 13 minutes gets a 5 out of 11. Next up is another movie that likes numbers. This movie is called 222. A man's life gets flipped, turned upside down when he notices a pattern of events that repeat every day at 2:22 p.m. It always involves the same people, and he's the only one who notices. This stars Mikael Hausman from Game of Thrones and Teresa Palmer from Warm Bodies. So the number 23 and Limitless had a baby, and it's called 222. This is a familiar formula, something odd is going on, only one person knows about it, there's only one person he can turn to about it, either best friend or in this case a lover, and no one believes him and he's left to save the day. This story was developed by relative newcomer Todd Stein, but he had help writing the screenplay with Nathan Parker, writer of the amazing sci-fi movie Moon. This film also had something that the Watch Your Mouth show talked about two episodes ago. You can tell this guy's conspiracy is top notch because he has a clear board that he writes on. Makes it hard to read, but it's also really professional because of it. From the trailer, I'm wondering if this is also going to have some Groundhog Day in it, because the same events keep repeating. The day itself may not be repeating, like it's not June 30th every day, but what happens in the day repeats. This is an interesting idea, but best saved for Netflix or some DVD Blu-ray combo pack where they bundle it with other movies that no one was really interested in. And then they bundle it and sell it at such a decent price you pick it up anyway. The trailer made this feel like limitless, except he's not some dangerous genius, but instead is taking advantage of knowing what will happen and when. There was also a few scenes that had a neon demon sort of feel, not in the bat crazy sort of way, but in the saturation of dark colors, and slight oddness. This has Teresa Palmer in it, so it's at least going to be mediocre, if not actually a little good. She really sticks to one type of character, even though she's capable of more. But the movies she picks are reliably interesting, so we have that to go on. In the end, this could be worth checking out, but not worth much effort to go see it. We've seen movies like this before. This particular story may be new-ish, but it's so similar to movies of the past that it doesn't warrant a theater watch. 2.22 gets a four out of 11. And with that, my future friends, it is time for the break, so let's hear some words from our friends at Somewhat Nerdy Radio, Nerds of the Squared Circle, and also a special word from some new friends called the False Starts Podcast. Stay tuned.
1: Hi, I'm Dan. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm Lewis. Hell in a bottom you? car, I look like Michael Jackson. I'm Ash, and this is False Starts, the show about the overconfident opuses that executives were sure would start a franchise, but they didn't. Here's a taster of what's in store. Are you saying that this is Earth because they didn't do no, the whole No, there were two reveal. moons. Ah. It was mm. a completely See, because different planet. It looked very clearly like Earth. Today. Well, I'm I mean, assuming they shot here, but it was... A... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it didn't go off well, clearly. But there were two moons in the sky... Apes were the dominant species. What? Where did the horses come if from? There are, if there are apes, there are humans, there are probably horses and budgies and gets. here's the thing. They're <laughs> from no the horse. <laughs> I think there are humans on this planet. It's got to be Earth, right? Like, it's not. There are two moons. Thade is but... a terrible general. Mm. Yes. I mean, we mentioned earlier the martial law thing, but when at the final battle scene, Thade's tactic is to just... GO FORWARDS! <laughs> also, why do they have generals? Why do they have such a large army? What is it in reserve for? Who were they war with before that army was about? Horses. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> That's horses. Was, it was a horse planet. That's why they have horses. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, so... This what? truly is a planet for Horses. <laughs> Tim Roth was the yeah. one that took me a while to spot. Tim Roth. And I should have guessed it because he was acting crazy. Like, Tim Roth is supposed to. It. He was, yeah, the, the, way, he was the only one. You could tell he was the only one who just went out and said, all right, I'm playing an ape. Maybe I should research apes. <laughs> should you could tell track. he was the only one. Yeah. Every cast member attended ape school for, I believe, two weeks s- before the film started. They are all standing <laughs> upright, except for Tim Roth, who's just Planet standing up the Apes. You could see that everyone else playing with him acting with him was genuinely scared. It was like, what is this mad monkey man gonna do? If you like that, you can hear more on SoundCloud, Twitter, Facebook, and from the middle of July, iTunes at Full Starts Pod. Good journey, nerds. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Starf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling?
0: Yeah!
1: Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. Someone to comms. Nerds in the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Squared Circle on SomeoneNerdy.com.
0: And welcome back, everyone. So new promo. That's exciting, right? Something new. I think you should check that show out. I've been listening to it. They have two episodes out right now on SoundCloud. Uh, last time I checked, they weren't up on any podcast apps. Uh, let, you know, let me check again. I lied. I'm on Podcast Addict right now, and there they are. All right, looks like they have three episodes up there. That's a whole one more than I thought, so I'm going to have to listen to that new one. Check them out. They Their whole show, if you couldn't gather from their promo, is talking about movies that never actually got a sequel. Personally, I can't wait for them to do John Carter, because John Carter was a great movie, a truly great movie that suffered from the worst case of poor advertising that I've ever seen. So if you guys hear this, John Carter. that I, I would really love to hear you talk about that. But let's get back to the show. Our next movie is a documentary called The B-Side, Elsa Dorfman's Portrait Photography. If you didn't guess, this is a documentary about the life and work of portrait photographer Elsa Dorfman. This is brought to us by Academy Award winning director Errol Morris. If that means something to you, then you're well-versed and more well-versed, in fact, than I am. He's done movies like The Thin Blue Line and The Fog of War. What we have here is a documentary about a portrait photographer, plain and simple. You'll learn about Elsa Dorfman's background, why she loves photography, and why she eventually chose her favorite medium, the Polaroid Land 20x24 camera. So this woman uses a Polaroid, but it's larger than life. In this film, she talks about her eventual retirement and the difficulty of using such a medium in the digital age. I hear people all the time, of course since I live in a small town full of hippies, that old cameras are just so much better than digital ones and for the life of me I cannot see why if you can then good for you I'm not here to judge you or call bullshit or anything like that I just can't see it to me they're all the same but apparently to Elsa Dorfman she sees something this actually looks like a well shot documentary so the only reason it's not getting a higher score is that my lack of interest in the topic here's a fun fact this movie is rated R for some graphic nude images and brief language so you can have brief language in a PG-13 movie and this is an artsy documentary. So, what do they mean by graphic nude images? Like, more than some naked person just standing there? Like, how graphic can an artsy portrait using a Polaroid camera actually get? And what's the limit for a movie to move from PG 13 to R with nudity? Like, oh, one boob, a flash of a boob, PG 13's fine. Oh my God, this person's standing there naked, not doing anything graphic, just standing there naked. Those are boobs, or that's a penis, that's a bush, R. Or maybe hard R. Am I right? huh? (laughs) That's a penis joke. But since this is a documentary, you know what the deal is. If this interests you enough, go see it. But in true FutureFlix fashion, let me repeat my old adage, unless it's a nature or science documentary, something that relies on impressive visuals, then there's no need to see such a movie in theaters. The B-side, Elsa Dorfman's portrait photography, gets a 4 out of 11. And next up on the list, as we get closer to the pick of the week we have a movie called the little hours a rowdy group of nuns live in a convent and have a long list of sins they must confess to and they keep adding to that list a young servant fleeing from his master takes refuge there and poses as a deaf and blind man and he must fight to keep his cover as the nuns around him fail miserably at resisting temptation this stars Alison brie from glow dave franco from now you see me kate micucci from garfunkel and oats Aubrey Plaza and Nick Offerman from Parks and Rec, John C. Riley from Talladega Nights, Molly Shannon from Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl, Fred Armisen from Portlandia, and Paul Reiser, who was in Aliens and will also be in Stranger Things Season 2. Look at that cast. It's the who's who of comedy. And this also looks hysterical if you're into raunchy and quirky humor and aren't some easily offended prude. If those things apply to you, then this film could be for you. Of course, if you are easily offended, you probably don't listen to my show anyway, or at least won't listen to me for long. This is going to be an overtly funny movie with easy and foul-mouthed sex jokes. The fact that these women are nuns just adds to the humor potential. The only review I've read for this was actually really well done. Uh, this person who goes by Gomeza admitted that the film isn't for everyone. They appar- They apparently loved it and as it got a perfect score of five out of seven but did say that other people in the Sundance crowd that they saw it with were left confused apparently the director and cast even made sure that people knew this film wasn't for everyone the cast and director even admitted that this isn't for everyone usually casts and directors try to sell the movie oh go see this is going to be great but if even they are saying just hold back a bit think about if this is for you or not then you really need to check out the trailer first If you watch a trailer and don't even crack a smile, or even if you wind up offended, then skip it. If you laugh, then check this out. But this is going to be an indie release, so it won't be super wide. I think this film is best saved for a home viewing, and let me just say that This deals with a lot of sexual topics happening in a Catholic setting. So even if you aren't easily offended, you still could be offended. From the looks of the trailer, it doesn't look like they go into deep sacrilege. So it doesn't look like the purpose is to offend, like they're going out of their way to make people angry. But it just looks like they didn't hold back at all. This is a true ensemble cast with a script that's not as widely accessible as you'd think a movie would be with such a well-known cast. This film is so foul-mouthed that I think this can go on some Watch Your Mouth podcast list of best swearing in movies. I could talk about what I thought was funny, but this is going to be such a polarizing film that I'll just suggest again that you watch the trailer. And if you like what you see, then maybe you'll agree with my score. If you don't think it's funny, then make this a hard pass. The Little Hours. Gets an 8 out of 11. Two movies left, folks, and I think you may know what two movies these are. The question is, which one made it as my pick, and which one came in a close second? Well, that close second is Despicable Me 3. Gru finds out he has a long-lost twin brother. After being fired, he decides to seek out his brother, and the two decide to go on one last criminal heist. This has the returning cast of Steve Carell, Kristen Wiig, Miranda Crossgrove, Dana Geyer, Nev Sherrill, Steve Coogan, and Julie Andrews. And joining the cast is Trey Parker of South Park fame and Jenny Slate, who did voices in Zootopia, The Secret Life of Pets, and The Lego Batman Movie. I'm not really going to say a lot about this film, because by this point you already know if you're going to see it or not. If for some reason these movies have fallen under your radar, check them out first, skip this one. You should never start with anything but the first movie in the series. Of course there are certain exceptions to that, but for the most part, golden rule movies, if there is a series you start at the beginning. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. So not everyone is going to like these, because not everyone likes Illumination movies. I think these are cute for what they are, but they are a one-note series of movies that rely on you enjoying the same jokes over and over. Don't misunderstand. I do like them. I am a fan of this series, and I want to see this one. The first two I enjoyed quite a bit, but these movies are a one-trick pony if you like the trick then check this one out if not then you're not going to see this anyway the worst thing to come out of this movie was what the watch Your Mouth podcast has mentioned on a few episodes before and it's the minions being turned into memes it's old and boring move on i don't have much to say about the visuals for this movie because it's the same it's the same style of animation it hasn't it hasn't become any better it hasn't gotten any worse This is a standard Despicable Me or Minions movie. Nothing new comes to the table, but they haven't taken anything away. Despicable Me 3 gets an 8 out of 11. And next up, future friends, is my pick of the week. And that pick, which technically came out on Wednesday, is Baby Driver. Baby suffers terrible tinnitus after being in a car accident that killed his parents. Because of that, he constantly listens to music, even when he's being the getaway driver for a group of criminals. He meets a young woman and falls in love with her, and he wants to get out of the business, but he's convinced to do one last job. The stars Ansel Elgore from The Fault in Our Stars, John Bernthal from The Accountant, John Hamm from Mad Men, Isa Gonzalez from From Dusk Till Dawn the TV series, Lily James from Cinderella and Kevin Spacey from House of Cards. Before we get into talking about the movie, let's get this out of the way. We all know how I feel about Rotten Tomatoes. They are the syphilitic micropenises of the movie world. But here's the thing. They actually loved this movie. At the release of the third trailer, it had a 100%, which is almost unheard of. And especially when new movies come out, especially movies with casts like this about something like this. So anything non-indie getting a score like this is pretty big. However, now if you check Rotten Tomatoes, it has dropped to a 98%. So the two anal warts that had to be the ones to sh** on the party are Adam Graham from the Detroit News and Anthony Lane from the New Yorker. Here's the thing. I read the reviews because not everyone's going to like a movie. All right? Even if it's a great movie, an award-winning movie that everyone saw and was like, oh, this is the best thing ever. Oh, my God. Oh. Even if one of those came out, there's going to be someone who doesn't like it. These people, however, in their arguments against the movie, didn't say much. It just seems like they sh on this just to be contrary. If they had said something like, oh, I don't like it because of this. I don't like it because of that. Then I go, okay, they didn't like it. I still might give them crap because they're critics, but I would have been more accepting of it. The way this is, they are just being gigantic and further prove to me, and hopefully to you, why we don't listen to critics. But let's move on and talk about the movie at hand, Baby Driver. This is brought to us by Edgar Wright. Yes, the same Edgar Wright who did the Cornetto Trilogy and Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. This guy knows how to do movies. He both wrote and directed this movie and we can trust him. We can also trust this cast. I'm not terribly familiar with Ansel Elgore, but it looks like he's doing a really good job in this film. And everyone else, oh, I forgot Jamie Foxx. I forgot to mention Jamie Foxx in the cast. Yes, from Django Unchained. He too is in this film. So this movie has a good cast. It was directed and written by a good writer and director, and it looks like a lot of fun. Everything I've seen so far about the movie, as far as reviews go, say that it's action-packed it's really enjoyable the story may not be the greatest according to some of the people who've already seen it but it's made up for in the fun factor music is also going to play a huge role in this so if you saw the Tequilia trailer you'll know exactly what they mean baby is always listening to music either through an ipod or when he's actually driving and so it looks like the music is always going to fit the scene this movie is going to be one part godfather 3 with the you know guy trying to get out but they pull him back in and one part fast and the furious but with the vehicular stunts being a little more reasonable than the wonderful over-the-top fast and furious franchise this is the movie that seemed to come out of nowhere i remember a couple months back i suddenly saw a trailer for it and i thought what the hell what is this baby driver dumb name interesting cast Okay, it's written by Edgar Wright. I'm a little more interested. I saw the trailer, and this looks great. A lot of the other movies, a lot of the other big movies coming out this summer had a lot of buildup to them. Of course, we've known about Spider-Man Homecoming for a while, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 for a while, War of the Plants of the Apes, even Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, and Transformers Last Night. All of these had a lot of buildup to them. But Baby Driver, while some of you may have known, the rest of us just saw this pop up one day going, oh, by the way, this movie's coming out, and it's going to be baller this is my pick of the week. This is a movie that I think is going to be the best. It could be one of the best movies of the summer. We will see. We will see if this is truly a great movie or just summer fun. The true epitome of summer fun. Who doesn't love a good heist movie? Raise your hands and see yourself out. The door is, I don't know where you're sitting, wherever the door is, see yourself there. Because this film is going to have it all. And It's going to be visually pleasing enough to warrant a theater release there may not be a lot of cg but the stunts and the bright vibrant colors and everything is just going to be more enjoyable on the big screen will you miss out a lot if you see this at home no you won't so if you absolutely don't want to see this in theaters it's not that big of a deal but if you can see this then see this because it is going to be fun What's going to be interesting is Lily James's role in this story, because as of now, she feels like she was just brought in to legitimize Baby, or humanize, I mean Baby, so make him more than just a getaway driver, and then also be his weakness, because right now he's a great driver, probably the best around. There's not much the criminals could do to stop him. However, when he has someone to protect, that makes it harder. So is she just going to fill that role, kind of be a two-dimensional character? Or is there gonna be more to her? We'll see. We'll see John Bernthal and Jamie Foxx in familiar roles. Kevin Spacey in a familiar role. John Hamm, that's a little different for him. I look forward to see what he can do with this role. And I've actually never seen Isaac Gonzalez in anything. I, I missed the From Dusk Till Dawn TV show entirely. So I don't know much about her, but it looks like she does the job well. All in all, this is the movie to watch now. And while this may not be a huge blockbuster movie, it's going to be good enough That it can actually hold its own against the films that are out now. Last week we had Transformers Last Night, which was done by Michael Bay, who we all know is garbage. So maybe people who didn't want to see that, who want to see an actual good movie, will see this. So people who skipped the movie for the week will have a movie to watch now, and then have Spider-Man Homecoming next week. Also, people who don't want to see Spider-Man Homecoming or War for the Planet of the Apes the weeks they come out will have this, which will have a substantially smaller crowd in it by the time those other blockbusters release. Either way, check out this movie. If you do it in theaters, if you do it at home, do it. This looks like it's going to be fun, and who doesn't like fun? Baby Driver gets an 11 out of 11. And now, my friends, it is time for the question of the week for the answers from last week, and we have two. Besides my own, of course, we have two movies. Correction, three, because Rudy Branches here just answered. I, I had paused at the time, so you can't hear it. But let's start with the first one we got, and that's from Critter from Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Watch Your Mouth. He picked a movie called Side Effects. He says, I figured it had people in it I knew. It was on Netflix, and that's most of my criteria for watching a movie on Netflix. There are a couple movies with that name, so I asked him to clarify, and it's the one with Rooney Mara, Channing Tatum, and Jude Law. He says it reminds him of how much of a badass Jude Law can be. So that film came out in 2013. Rooney Mara, Channing Tatum, Jude Law, like I said. A young woman's world unravels when a drug prescribed by her physician has unexpected side effects. The next answer we got was from the Uncorked Gamers. They say, The Dark Backward. This is a movie from 1991 starring Judd Nelson, Bill Paxton, and Wayne Newton. Oh, and also uh, James Caan, Lara Flynn Boyle, Rob Lowe. Jesus, a lot of people are in this. Here we go to the plot. A man pursues stand-up comedy, encouraged by his fellow garbage men. Though his friend, who accompanies him on the accordion, continues to tell him how great he is, he actually stinks. When the comedian grows a third arm out of his back, the friend uses the twist to get him signed up with a sleazy talent agent, and it begins to look like his career is on the move, even though his girlfriend has left him. What the sh. All right, let's actually read the Gamer's tweet. And I'm assuming it's Dan that answered this. Said, The Dark Backwards, saw it one night on TV and loved it. It is super weird with a great cast. Check it out, people. All right, at least he admits it's super weird, because that sounds really odd. And you know what? I'll check it out. I trust his recommendations. And finally, we have the movie suggested by Rooting Branches. She said, Hack, which was a movie she showed me, one of her favorite horror movies. Right? All right, I I take that back. (laughs) A horror movie she likes. Is that better? Okay, that's better. (laughs) A horror movie she enjoys starring Winnie from The Wonder Years. This is the true epitome of a straight-to-DVD or BC-level horror movie. It's really well done in, in the fact that it knows exactly what it is, and the premise is even comedic. This movie doesn't try and take itself too seriously at all, which is perfect. and makes it funny, and it's just, a, it's just a good horror movie. Was it scary? No, not at all. It was just entertaining. And now it's my turn. What movie do I think is highly underrated? And there's actually two that came to mind. I have to say, the first one that came to my mind was John Carter, but I think enough people know about that movie and how great it is that I can't really use it. So the movie that I did pick, okay, technically movies are... The Big Year, which I've talked about on the show before, has uh, Steve Martin, Jack Black, and Owen Wilson. It's about the world of birding, and I thought it was a really charming comedy, and it really made me want to get into birdie because i'm a huge nerd but the second movie is called stuck on you that was a movie with greg kinnear and matt damon where they play conjoined twins and how one twin played by greg kinnear wanted to follow his dream of being an actor but you know they don't want someone who's stuck to another person so they would cover matt damon up in you know a green suit so they can edit him out so the movie's about their adventures and then how They come to terms with both of them wanting to do other things and then the idea of separating, you know, being surgically separated. Well, those were my answers and the answers of the listeners. And by listeners, I mean two fellow podcasters and my fiance. Well, beggars can't be choosers, right? at least I got answers. So there we go. Time for next week's question. This one inspired by Baby Driver and thought of by Rooting Branches. We also kind of did a nerd talk about it on Somewhat Nerdy, but I'm being a little more specific, or we're being a little more specific on this one. What is your favorite car from a movie? Crater, I'm pretty sure I know your answer, but still, please respond. And for everyone else, I have no idea what you're going to say. So hit me up and answer the question so it's time for the closing housekeeping you can find me on itunes soundcloud stitcher google play youtube tumblr and any podcast listening app as well as the somewhat nerdy website that's somewhat nerdy.com i'd really appreciate it if you'd take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating i would love five stars or a like or if you'd share the podcast also leave a comment, tell me what I'm doing right, and tell me what I need to improve on, and how do you reach me? That's a fantastic question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter, BilliamSWN. Instagram, BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Also Tumblr, BilliamSWN. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. The Watch Your Mouth podcast is always a fantastic choice for comedy gold. They also do a really good job of raising money for causes that need it by swearing their collective asses off. The Uncorked Gamers is a fantastic video game podcast that I unfortunately will not be on for a while. But I will be back in September. Please don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy site for all of the latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners my future friends. Please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off. I'll see you in the future.